0: Pastor Xavier Reese, and a word of warning from the book of Revelation. Listen to what the Spirit says to the churches.
1: This is the problem today. Pastors, leaders, and Christians are listening to the voice of man and technology through marketing, corporate principles, church growth, and not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who's continuing the work of Jesus Christ, the book of Acts tells me. It is His church.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The Greek word paraclete, a term given to the Holy Spirit, means one called alongside to help. And so when it comes to the New Testament book of the Acts of the Apostles, Pastor Xavier is quick to point out that what we see documented there is as much about the involvement of the Holy Spirit in building the Church as it is with the Apostles themselves. And in today's Simple truth Study, Pastor Xavier will be picking up where we left off last time with a list of eight distinguishing principles characterizing the work of the Spirit.
1: The message is entitled, The Witness of the Holy Spirit. What we want to do is we want to see what is recorded about the witness of the Holy Spirit here in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria in order to learn some lessons that he teaches us in chapter 1 through 12. Here's the fourth principle. The Holy Spirit will discipline us by death and deliver us from death. Chapter 5 of Acts tells us that. In chapter 5, verse 5, Peter was probably surprised as everyone else when it happened. Because as he was speaking to Ananias, Ananias hearing these words fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. Peter didn't know. All of a sudden, he's talking to him. Why is he like, pm? <clears throat> whoa, whoa. It'll take you back a little bit. But when you get to verse 9, Peter definitely knew that Sapphire was going to get it the same way. Because he declares it. Then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Spirit of the Lord. Because he's the one who's doing the work, right? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will shake your hand. No, they will carry you out. Peter didn't do this. God did it through his spirit. Verse 10 says, Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last, and the young man came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her with her husband. God still does this kind of stuff. We just don't know who and when. And that's good. It's none of our business. Sometimes we say, oh, the Lord took the brother home. He just died. It could be this way. But well, we don't know. But that's none of our business, right? But we know he still works, right? The same way. The Apostle Paul mentions this also to the Corinthians in First Corinthians 11. Verse 27 to 30. As you know, they were partaking of the Lord's Supper dishonourably. They were having love feasts, copy love feasts, and they would eat and everybody like a potluck and and some of them were eating a little too much, making piggies of themselves, and others were drinking a little too much wine and getting a little tipsy by the time they came to the communion table. They were all in the flesh, one hundred percent. So they were treating the communion table as a common meal. Verse twenty seven says, Therefore whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. It's talking about how you see it, how you're partaking, whether you understand what it is. In verse 28, the protection is given. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat the bread and drink the cup. Make sure that we're right with God. And then in verse 29, the individual responsibility is given. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Responsibility. And then the possible consequences given in verse 30. For this reason, many are weak, sick among you, and many sleep. Three things. Weak, sick, and dead. God disciplines the believer in these three fashions. Amazing. Now, the apostles were delivered from death. Not only is he disciplined, but they were delivered from death. Um, Acts chapter 5, here again, verse 29, 33-41, will give us this. First of all here, in 529, the apostles were a constant irritant to the religious rulers, the Sanhedrin, as they were trusting God. And they declared that they ought to obey God rather than man. A great stand, over and over again. They were faithful. In verse 33 to 39, God used Gamaliel to deliver the apostles from death. So God can use anybody, pagans, Christians, to deliver you. If you're walking with God, he's going to take care of it. As you know, Gamaliel said, listen, set the apostles aside and listen. You know, this guy, this Egyptian guy, you know, he had an uprising. and He had this following and, you know, um, it, it all came to pass. No, no big deal. So if, if it's God, don't fight against him. Just let it go. And the apostles just moved on. And so God used Gamaliel, this Jewish teacher, to deliver the apostles. God's in control, is he not? God used Nebuchadnezzar to judge Israel. Used Cyrus to judge Nebuchadnezzar. Used Alexander the Great to judge the Medo-Persian empire. And so on and so forth. God's in control. And so the apostles were beaten and commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus in verse 40. What did they do? Look at 41. The apostles departed, complaining, saying, Lord, why did you do this to us? No. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Interesting. This is the only type of Christian that is biblical. You understand? This is not colorful, figurative, nice language. This is Christian reality, ladies and gentlemen. By the power of the Spirit of God. As you know, Herod was consumed with worms because he didn't give glory to God later on in Acts 12.23. God judges the unbeliever. But God also allowed Paul to be decapitated. According to tradition, his head cut off. God used a pagan emperor to execute Paul. And if you read... Paul's account in Second Timothy four, six to eight, he says, "I'm ready to be poured out as a drink offering, I've run my course with joy. i finished it with joy, and now a crown is waiting for me." Paul said, "I'm being promoted. Wow, why would God do this? I mean, I've worked some so, long. I've on three missionary journeys, and, and what? Hmm, The Holy Spirit will discipline us by death." And deliver us from death. Do you realize that? I should be dead. You know, my accident 201, February the 2nd, with my Harley. When I got hit and laying on the ground, I wasn't worried. Because I'm walking with God. I knew I was messed up. <laughs> big time. But God's in control, right? I have nothing to fear. If I die, I'm instantly present. Do you have that confidence? The Holy Spirit will discipline us by death. And deliver us from death. Fourth principle the Holy Spirit will enable people for ministry. In chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 The apostles were not able to do all that was required of themselves. As you know, here, the growth of the church had brought cultural jealousy and envy. Hebrews and the Hellenist widows and the 12 refused to leave the word and prayer. Prayer comes first, and the word, verse 2, they were very wise. And in verse 3 through 7, the apostles trusted the Holy Spirit to raise up men. This is good. If you're in leadership, if you're serving the Lord, don't get territorial. Don't think that, that you are the ministry. You're not. Ministry does not belong to you. The kingdom does not belong to you. They knew that God would raise other people up and could raise them up. In verse 3 of Acts 6, they were to seek men, seven men of reputation of the Holy Ghost's wisdom and appoint them to the business. In verse 4, they continued in prayer. In the ministry of the word. Wise men. And in verse 5 and 6. The people were pleased. They picked these seven. They hands on them. They confirmed their calling. The result was in verse 7. The disciples multiplied in Jerusalem. And many priests were saved. Great. The people were taught. That God can and will use normal people. And raise them up just like you. Very important. We're to use only the word of God. When we're used. We're to teach only the word of God, 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, all scriptures given by inspiration of God, profitable for doctrine, correction, instruction, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We're to minister within the gifts that are allotted to us. Supernatural gifts, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen and 14, and 1 Peter four ten. The gifts are supernatural, not natural talents, not abilities, but gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're to be filled with the Spirit of God. I can't tell you that enough. Ephesians five eighteen continuously. And we're to give all glory to God. Listen to Romans eleven thirty six. For of Him and through Him and to Him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. The Holy Spirit will enable people for ministry. You believe that? I do. The seventh principle. The Holy Spirit will be faithful to prepare us for death. This is important. Stephen was a young man enabled by God for the time to be an example of Christ. Acts 7, as you know there, it's given to us. Verse 55, Stephen was very confident in the Holy Spirit. Listen to him. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Very confident in the Holy Spirit. In verse 56, Stephen was conscious of the presence of Jesus in his life too. He said, look, I see the heavens open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then in verse 59, Stephen was dependent on Jesus. Listen. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Stephen was being like Jesus. Look at 60. Then he knelt down and cried out. With a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with the sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He died. You see, Jesus said this from the cross. And we said, well, he was God. But now we've got a man able to do it. So now we're busted. Now we know by the Spirit of God that God will be faithful. Does death kind of worry? I, don't, I, you know, I didn't fill out a card how I'm going to leave here. Whether cancer, whether train's going to run over me, whether I'm going to crash in a plane, or whether I'm going to choke on an In-N-Out burger, or I don't know. I didn't fill out a card. All right? But God will be faithful. Do you believe that? Very important. In chapter 12 of Acts, Peter was delivered from prison by an angel. Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. He killed James the brother of John, while arresting Peter uh, in verse 1 through 4. Now, the question is, who really was delivered? (laughs) I think James was delivered. He went to heaven. Not Peter. It's all matter of perspective, isn't it? Herod, as you know, was going to bring him in verse 5 through 7 the next day, and he put him between some soldiers in chains, and those four guards were watching him. But an angel was sent by God, and, and Peter thought he was having a vision or dreaming or something. The angel had to smack him and tell him, come on, let's get up. And the chains fell off. They walked through, uh, grabbed his garment, and they walked through some gates. And when they came to the last gate, he realized that the Lord had delivered him. Verse 10 down to 11. God was faithful. Peter would have been killed. God delivered him. He would be sufficient. Tradition tells us Peter was crucified upside down at his own request because he was not worthy to be crucified like his Lord. Right side up. God is sufficient. The scriptures and the Holy Spirit tell us that our lives are not our own, but they belong to God. Do you believe that? We are to realize that we don't know what will happen tomorrow. And our lives are very, very, very brief. Listen to James 4:14. 4, Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. We're nothing but a little cloud of fog. You understand? Very brief. Just yesterday, I was 18, cruising in my Volkswagen down Bal Park Boulevard. I'm 57. We're to pray to God. That we value every day. Listen to Psalm 90 verse 12. So teach us to number our days. That we may gain a heart of wisdom. Are you living full? Or are you just. Worried about living. We're not to fear man. But God. When it comes to death. Listen to the words of Jesus. He's, he's the authority. Jesus models it himself. He taught this. I say to you my friend. Do not. Be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you shall fear. Fear him who after he has killed. Has power to cast into hell. Yes I say to you fear him. You fear your creator. He's going to be your judge. The Holy Spirit will be faithful to prepare us for death. Absolutely. Eighth principle. The Holy Spirit will speak to us very specific and clear, guiding us a step at a time. As you know here in chapter 8, verse 26 through 40, and we'll just we've done an in-depth study, I'm just gonna walk you through it. In verse 26, the angels of the Lord told Philip to rise and to go down towards the south along the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, desert place, and it made no sense. You stop and think about it. He's in a revival going on in Samaria, and God says, Get up and go over here. Stephen, you know, I mean, Philip didn't say, why? He didn't say that. He just went. And to his surprise, as he got to verse 27 down to 28, he saw this eunuch sitting there. God had brought a man to him. He reveals it one step at a time. He's sitting there, coming back from Jerusalem, worshiping, he's sitting in his chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet aloud, and and Philip was obedient and going, and then God gave him the next step. Here's a man. And then in verse 29 through 30, the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip, go near him and overtake the chariot. Doing so, he asked the Ethiopian if he understood what he was reading. The Holy Spirit was preparing the heart of the eunuch way before Philip even got there. And then he ties them both together. In verse 31 through 34, the eunuch responded, how can I unless someone guides me? Therefore, he asked Philip to come up and to sit with him. And he read, He was reading Isaiah 53, 7 through 8, as you know. And he asked him, is the prophet speaking about himself or some other person? You see, the Holy Spirit will always use the word of God to convict of sin and to save a person through repentance. He doesn't do it through the phone book. He doesn't do it through whatever. He does it through the word of God. Verse 35 through 40, Philip began at the scriptures to preach Jesus to him. And the Ethiopian got saved and baptized. You see, the Holy Spirit uses people, not angels, to preach the gospel for salvation. God doesn't send angels to preach the gospel. He sends you and me to preach the gospel. Now, they could do a better job, but God's chosen me. Poor God. The next one we see is Acts 9. Saul was saved on the Damascus Road, as you know and God needed to confer some things to Saul by Ananias. In verse 8 and 9, Saul had been told by Jesus to go into Damascus. As he was led there, all humble and meek. He, he was without drinking, without eating. He was praying. And Saul was a very dangerous man. Jesus had to save him all on his own. And in verse 10 and 11, the Lord spoke to Ananias in a vision and told him to go to the street called Straight And to the house of, of uh, one, uh, he would find someone there, Saul of Tarsus. And, you know, Ananias was sensitive to the Lord. He said, here am I. Can the Lord interrupt you? Can the Lord get your ear? Wherever you may be. In verse 12, the Lord told Ananias, he had already given a vision to Saul about seeing a man Ananias come and laying hands on him so he may be, receive a sight. God ties him on both ends again, right? He's already talked to Saul. Now he's talking to Ananias. He's giving a vision to Saul. He's telling Ananias about the vision. So when Ananias comes, it's a confirmation, not news, right? When somebody tells you, thus saith the Lord, and the news to you, tell them to go away. When somebody says, thus saith the Lord, or the Lord told me this, or I feel the Lord's impressing me, and he tells you something, and it's confirmation, then go to the Lord. Obey it. You understand? 13 and 14, Ananias began to object, and rightly so. This guy's a killer. So we shouldn't criticize him. In 15 through 16, the Lord told him to go. For Saul was a chosen vessel to bear his name, the Gentiles, the kings, children of Israel. And he would show him how many things he must suffer for his name's sake. God's calling and purposes for the person will only be confirmed through others, not be first-time information. Very, very important. Notice Ananias obeyed in verse 17. Saul received the sight. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. Immediately he was baptized what a privilege to be used of God. Go to Acts 10, 1 through 48. Peter is directed by the Holy Spirit to open the doors to the Gentiles. As you know, Peter is there at Joppa. He's the house of Simon the Tanner. And God is going to use him to open the doors to the Gentiles. And all of a sudden, he has this vision. He's hungry. He goes to the rooftop. He's praying the hour of prayer. And all of a sudden, he sees this sheet of all manner of creeping thing. And according to good Jewish custom, you don't eat certain things. And three times it happens and God says, take, kill, and eat, Peter. And he says, not so, Lord. That's a contradiction. And the Holy Spirit tells Peter very, very direct that he had already spoken to Cornelius. Some men were sent and they were there looking for him to go doubting nothing, the Spirit says in verse 17 through 23. He confirms it later on in chapter 11, 12, when he tells the Jerusalem Jews also. Because he he knew he was going to get in trouble going to Gentiles. (laughs) The Spirit told him very clearly. Again, he works in both ends. Two days afterwards, they arrive at the house of Cornelius. His whole family, friends are there. Peter begins to share how it's not lawful for a Jew to come in, but he begins to preach. And then he says that whoever believes on the remission of sins can be saved. And the minute he says that the Holy Spirit falls on all those dudes. And the Jews that came with him back up and they go, Whoa! And Peter says, listen, can any man hinder these guys to be baptized in water, seeing they have received the same gift that was given to us Jews? One step at a time, Peter knew nothing. He was up, he was hungry, he was praying. He's smelling that cooking of Simon uh, the Tanner's wife. And, mm, and all of a sudden, God uses that, he's ministering to him. And the Holy Spirit says, these guys I've sent. Go, don't doubt anything. He goes. God is doing it. one step at a time. Do you want the whole picture? You're not going to get it. One step at a time. Or isn't God trustworthy? We, what can we say the rest of the book of Acts? Later on in Acts 13.2. The Holy Spirit says, separate me, Saul and Barnabas, for the work of the ministry. And the Holy Spirit forbids Paul uh, to preach in Asia and Bithynia in chapter 16.6-7. Uh, six and the Holy Spirit testified to Paul about sufferings through as the prophet in Acts 20.22-23. 20, and the Spirit spoke through Agabus again in Acts 21 11. Amazing. The Holy Spirit. The Scriptures and the Holy Spirit teach us that God speaks. And we should tune our ear to Him. One step at a time, ladies and gentlemen. Revelation 2 and 3, seven times the Spirit says, Let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you think that was just for the first century? This is the problem today. Pastors, leaders, and Christians are listening to the voice of man and technology through marketing, corporate principles, church growth, and not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who's continuing the work of Jesus Christ, the book of Acts tells me. And we are to be the church of the book of Acts. With all its faults, all its weaknesses, all us imperfections, keeping our life accurate, right with God. Trusting Him to do the work in us that we cannot do for ourselves. There's no other type of church. It is His church. It's an organism, not an organization. And so the Holy Spirit will speak to us very specific and clear, guiding us a step at a time. Can you handle that? These are eight principles that characterize the witness of the Holy Spirit in our service to God. A pattern for servant leadership. The Holy Spirit will empower a disciple of Jesus. Will bring to our mind the answers for people's questions. Will lead us to open doors that God is opening. Will give us boldness and courage to obey God before man. Will discipline us through death and deliver us from death. Enable people for ministry. Will be faithful to prepare us for death. Will speak to us very specifically and clear, but guide us one step at a time. Great principles halfway through the book of Acts. We'll see them over and over again through the last half.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese completing a comprehensive look at the work of the Holy Spirit, as we see demonstrated through eight important principles from the Book of Acts. Now, copies of today's study, titled The Witness of the Holy Spirit, are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Witness of the Holy Spirit, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing... And thanks for helping us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. Pastor Xavier Reese assures the simple truths of the gospel extend to whosoever believes. Tell a friend and join us next time right here.